All right, everyone. Welcome to the first Paperboy podcast interview. I'm your host, Brandon Marlowe. The aim of these discussions is to highlight important ideas and people that you may not have heard before, certainly not in the mainstream. Each interview will be the companion or part two to the podcast I created around the same topic and will aim to shed further light or give a different look on the same topic. So be sure to check out the previous episode, The Revolution Will Not Be Televised. And today we're going to be discussing all sorts of propaganda and how we can learn to either unplug from it, understand it in a way that allows us to see it for what it is, and how to wake people up from the hypnosis of mass media. I can't think of better people to do this than my guests today, Monica Perez and Brad Binkley, uh, the co-hosts of the Phenomenal Propaganda Report, where they dissect the mainstream media in a clear and concise manner. And I think most importantly, they always make a clear distinction between what is their opinion and what is fact. It is one of the reasons their show has become my go-to for sharing with people who haven't woken up to the propaganda around us. So Monica and Brad, thanks so much for doing this. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much thanks for, for having us. us. Absolutely. So I just, I was hoping we could kind of start with your guys' bio. Maybe Monica will start with you, but just, I was hoping you could tell me a little bit about yourself and how did you get to a place where you're able to peek behind the veil, so to speak? Okay. Well, this was nothing I had ever really envisioned where I would go. I was a banker. I was kind of, uh, wanted to plan for going back to work after my kids got a little bit older and mm -hmm. I was ready to, I wanted to try to be a hedge fund manager or something you could work nine to five. And uh, I just stumbled upon, you know, just scales kept coming off my eyes, including yeah. reading the book by Hans Hermann Hoppe, Democracy, The God That Failed. And I was so excited about these ideas because it had occurred to me that government is, a, is the absolute opposite of what they say it is. It's there to exploit you and your rights. And I just thought, wow, no one ever considers the possibility that government is a scam, whereas we're always taught that there was a time when nobody considered the possibility that God didn't exist, that it was just something that was undiscussable. And I discovered that was true about government, and I was just data dumping all this stuff on a complete stranger sitting next to me at a wedding. <laughs> and she was a radio producer at WSB. And she just loved not only the fact that I had all these original ideas, but that they sounded crazy, but I didn't seem crazy. And that I could talk and never stop no matter whether anybody was there or not. Yeah. And literally like that next weekend, I think I she got me on the air on WSB on an on-air audition, basically. And I was on, I would say, virtually every Saturday. I mean, it, I, I had a weird schedule because of sports and everything. But my show ran continuously on the weekends for eight and a half years. And it was it's not my thing. Like, that kind of performance is not my thing. But I really felt like it was important to share ideas with people who weren't already turned on to them. And of I really virtually never held back. I never really, like, I didn't dive into 9-11, but I didn't deny the truth. And of all the things I ever said, well, I guess Binkley has a funny thing about our very last show or the last show before we got the word that it was gone. That was just this year. We started talking about Event 201. And basically, if you look back, we were just predicting the future because we knew it was coming. And, that, and we just... The show is over, no explanation, but Binkley, it's hmm. funny. What was the, what you said? I think in that one episode, that last episode before we found before out. it came down, yeah. Yeah, we talked about predictive programming, 
Sandy Hook was in there a little bit, I think. The Boston <laughs> bombing was in there. Uh, Eventual I, one, of course. Yeah, maybe alternative universes, too. I, I don't know. We covered pretty much the gamut. <laughs> so, Binkley, what about you? What's the question? How did you? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. That means I had a very much too long answer. <laughs> I was just hoping you could uh, tell me a little bit about yourself and kind of how you got to this place where you're able to kind of dissect uh, the, the, the mainstream media so well. I've always been into conspiracy theories and I've just, my dad used to tell me to go argue with a tree when I was a kid because <laughs> everything he said, I'd be like, well, why, why do I need to, why do I have to do that? Just cause you say, you know, yep. give me, tell me why, show me the, that this is the best thing to do. And I, I went to law school as well. I, I dropped out of law school and I went and did comedy and acting, but law school definitely, it, it, really drills into you to, to ask those questions, to, uh, to critically analyze everything. And I started listening to Monica when, uh, I mean, well, I think when she first came on the air and uh, one day I, yeah, I emailed her and it's uh, like, Hey, I'll, uh, I'd love to come uh, work with you or work for you, whatever. <laughs> yeah. And what happened was I was so ill-suited to this kind of performance thing. And he was an acting coach and he did improv and he just helped me get to where I had a little more confidence. And then one day I needed somebody on the air to bounce stuff off of. And he showed up and then he was on every single weekend after that. Yeah, it was cool. It was cool. We had a lot of interesting callers uh, through throughout. The That's day. the thing that was great about being on terrestrial radio is that mm -hmm. we had not only was it really, it was challenging. It was a lot, a lot of work to be the odd man out in every argument and like 40,000 people could call you at any moment and tell you just regurgitate what Rush told them the day before. <laughs> but it, we could reach people who would never have heard the stuff like you were saying you know, that's, you see that too. People just don't hear it in the mainstream at all. So if they don't know where to look, they're not going to get it. But I thought the best part about it, or the two best things about it were that we had so many callers who were on our same page, or at least were willing to kind of figure out what was really going on. And they were from all walks of life, all social statuses, all kind of political backgrounds, all races. And it really gave the lie to all the stereotyping that the mainstream media wants you to believe in. Mm -hmm. And the other thing that was the most fun was that we would have trolls or like people reading the scripts they got from their kind of activist workshop. And we would just stop them dead because they didn't know what to make of us. They were expecting Rush or Hannity and they got like, oh, really? tell me more, you know, or that doesn't make sense. Cause yada, yada. And uh, I mean, people would just short circuit. And yeah. You could fun. tell too, because they would start into the little script and I would get all those scripts in email. If you sign up to these, these activist groups, they send you the scripts of what you're supposed to say in response and how you're supposed to address people. And then Monica would respond in a way that, that is not in the script and it, they would kind of short circuit. <laughs> Like that's, that's really fascinating because you think that, you know, when you do podcasts like your guys is you're, you're still kind of siloed in a way, right? You're basically talking to a, a captured audience or a captive audience that already agrees in a sense with the things that you're saying. But when it comes to terrestrial radio, you're going to get people skimming through the stations that happen to hear an interesting conversation and they're going to come across uh, kind of you countering those arguments in a way that they've never heard. So you probably converted a, a lot of people to uh, opening their eyes, right? Yes. Yes. And then what, what's good and bad about, so I, I was worried that I thought things were locking down. We got all of our stuff got deplatformed from WordPress. Our YouTube videos started getting not only demonetized, but 
struck and you only get three strikes. So we could see it coming and we started to do a daily podcast because we figured we're not going to get a daily show on terrestrial radio. It's probably going to go the opposite. And it did. So we started doing that and the, it's much more fun and interesting because we can spend all of the time just researching and giving our ideas about the news of the day. And we're not really agenda based. I don't care about Q or flat earth or Trump or Biden. Like, I don't, I just want to know the truth. I really want to know what the hell's going on, but not even like that high up. I don't even care if it's like lizards or aliens or whatever. I just want to see where we can function and kind of stay ahead of the propaganda, which is what controls us all and, and convinces us to willingly give up our rights. But because we don't have that constant barrage of people whose worldview you're challenging and who are going to call up with anything from uh, anger to, you know, insults, that we can get a lot more done. And, and it's people absolutely love it. And that is a lot of fun. But the extra work was probably worth it in, in reaching people who never heard it before. But you know what? After they switched, after it went from Obama to Trump and the same people who acted like they cared about Obama uh, violating the Constitution, then they didn't care that Trump was. They made excuses for Trump. Then I realized, I, you know, it, it was... Even if I was reaching some people, the critical mass was never, I was never convincing conservatives that they betrayed their own values when they compromised about things or didn't ask for real evidence before you kill people who have never invaded your country. I mean, Syria has not invaded the United States. Like we right. just need to stop dropping bombs on them. Or you have to tell me what you're gonna tell St. Peter when he asks you why you didn't object to your tax dollars and your votes going to killing people you never tiny met. bombs saint peter they're tiny <laughs> bombs <laughs> yeah i had a liberal say that to me i was like obama dropped twenty thousand bombs on syria last year and he said they were very little bombs so i asked him for his address i was like oh i'm gonna send you a very little oh, bomb <laughs> I, I, Oh, and I mean, I think that really speaks to the just the strength and power of propaganda, right? They've come up through the years and years of being indoctrinated through the school systems and through the media and kind of every other possible facet of information. And until we've gotten to this kind of new wave of podcasting and alternative media, it seems like most people haven't really had a, an avenue to it. So I, I thought I'd just quickly read you guys a, a quote from a book called Propaganda, The Formation of Men's Attitudes by Jacques Ellul from uh, 1965. It'll take me probably two minutes to get through, but I think it's worth it because it really highlights kind of where we're at with everything. So it goes, Elul regards propaganda as a sociological phenomenon rather than as something made by certain people for certain purposes. Propaganda exists and thrives. It is the Siamese twin of our technological society. Only in the technological society can there be anything of the type and order of magnitude of modern propaganda, which is with us forever. And only with the all-pervading effects that flow from propaganda can the, techno te uh, pardon me, can the technological society hold itself together and further expand. Most people are easy prey for propaganda, Elul says, because of their firm but entirely erroneous conviction that it is composed only of lies and tall stories and that, conversely, what is true cannot be propaganda. But modern propaganda has long disdained the ridiculous lies of past and outmoded forms of propaganda. It operates instead with many different kinds of truth, half-truth, limited truth, truth out of context. Even Goebbels always insisted that Wehrmacht communiques be as accurate as possible. A second basic misconception that makes people vulnerable to propaganda is the notion that it serves only to change opinions. 
That is one of its aims, but a limited subordinate one. Much more importantly, it aims to intensify existing trends, to sharpen and focus them, and above all, to lead men to action, or when it is directed at immovable opponents, to non-action through terror or discouragement to prevent them from interfering. Therefore, Elul distinguishes various forms of propaganda and calls his book Propagandes, that uh, plural is one of the keys to his concept. The most trenchant distinction made by Elul is between agitation propaganda and integration propaganda. The former leads men from mere resentment to rebellion. The latter aims at making them adjust themselves to desired patterns. The two types rely on entirely different means. Both exist all over the world. Integration propaganda is needed especially for the technological society to flourish and its technological means. Mass media among them in turn make such integration propaganda possible. A related point central to Elul's thesis is that modern propaganda cannot work without education. He thus reverses the widespread notion that education is the best prophylactic against propaganda. On the contrary, he says education, or what usually goes by the word uh, in the modern world, is the absolute prerequisite for propaganda. In fact, education is largely identical with what Elul calls pre-propaganda, the conditioning of minds with vast amounts of incoherent information already dispensed for ulterior purposes and posing as facts and as education. Elul follows through by designating intellectuals as virtually the most vulnerable of all to modern propaganda for three reasons. One, they absorb the largest amount of secondhand, unverifiable information. Two, they feel a compelling need to have an opinion on every important question of our time and thus easily succumb to opinions offered to them by propaganda on all such indigestible pieces of information. Three, they consider themselves capable of judging for themselves. They literally need propaganda. And I, I know that was pretty long, but I think that that probably summarizes where, at least uh, how I see it. Is that kind of where you guys are coming into on it? Yeah, I believe I've read at least a portion of that quote to, to Monica before. It's a great quote. What? But, Whose quote is it? Well, this is, that's actually a really interesting thing I was going to bring up after, because I know you guys are great at this too, but I always like to know who the person was who was talking. And that's, that's a man named Conrad Kellen. Uh, he wrote it in 1965. He was actually a German uh, American intelligence officer who propagandized Germany after World War II. Answer. Yeah. Answer World War II. So was that the intro to technological society by LO? No, this is the intro to propaganda for the formation oh, of men's attitudes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, because yeah, the I targeting have, of yeah. the intellectuals is a big thing that we've talked about. Is they they target these people that think they're vulnerable or they're invulnerable to it and that they can never be conned, which makes them the, it's somewhere in that book as well. He talks about how they're easier to con because they think that they, they can't be conned. And uh, the point about reading and, and education is Lenin. This is in a footnote in that book. He points this out somewhere. It's like page 70 or something. I've read that book so many times. It's a really good book. I recommend it to anybody, but Lenin, he taught, people to read before during the Russian revolution, everything, because if they're illiterate, they can't be affected by propaganda of the print. So they have to be able to read. So you teach them to read, then you can mind control them. Wow. Now I don't have to tell you or anyone listening that the news is biased. All news is biased, whether intentional or unintentional. There's always at least some level of bias in the news that we consume. And this bias does impact how we see the world. Fortunately, ground news is making it a lot easier for us to quickly recognize this bias. Ground news is a new app that provides readers with objective data about the underlying political bias in all published news stories. It's the first ever news comparison platform. Here's how it works. Ground news collects data from over 50,000 news sources and runs a real-time media bias tracking. Then, the coverage bias rating is visually shown alongside the story. 
For every story that you read, you can compare how reporting differs across sources with different political biases and see if the coverage of the story skews more to the left or more to the right. Now, Ground News represents a larger movement of people who are fed up with traditional, highly politicized news. No one wants to be spoon-fed ideas or subtly influenced in covert ways. What Ground News does is gives the power to the people so that you can make up your own mind. If you want to learn more and try out Ground News for yourself, and I highly recommend that you do, head on over to ground.news slash prop, that's ground.news slash prop, and enter the code PROP, that's spelled P-R-O-P in all caps, to get one month free of Ground News Pro. And, as an exclusive limited time offer, listeners of the Propaganda Report will get 20% off Ground News Premium Membership. So what are you waiting for? Get on over to ground.news slash prop and start judging the truth for yourself today. I would go further and say that Prince, I, 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 I keep going back and back and back until I've now butted up against the agricultural revolution and the written word as being the beginning of, of real exploitive propaganda. And it all comes from the top. You can call it the state or the corpo governmental continuum or whatever. But I always look at movies, Hollywood, TV, movie theaters, radio. And then, so I read a book I've been talking about like crazy against the grain about the earliest states. And it opens with a quote, I think Levi Strauss quote that says, when you find the written word, it is the rule as a rule, it is used by the power to exploit the people and not to elucidate things or educate them. But a couple of other things about the, uh, uh, the the thing about the ego that you find the egotistical intellectuals that's what they said what made Carter Jimmy Carter the ideal president Brzezinski found him and was just like wow this guy is nowhere near as smart as he thinks he is and he's perfect and very authentic and all that and uh, but Binkley had sent me the propaganda book by a lull and it was you know the very first thing probably he sent me so it's. Uh, has a prized place for that reason. But then full circle over the years, I try not to read the same things that Binkley reads because I like to, I like to be able to react afresh and, and hear it all, but which is, I think it makes our dynamic enjoyable to listen to because then we're not skipping ahead. But, but the one, the book that a little follow-up that I probably should send him is when I was reading I hate to blow up your thing like this. It's like uh, Ted Kaczynski. He already said the S hook word, but <laughs> I read <laughs> nope. if that's okay. I mean, everybody, Absolutely. Never, whatever's good. Yeah. I've never met anybody who, who actually read Kaczynski's manifesto or whatever was published yep. on the paper and didn't find that it was full of truth. Now, nobody's yep. reading it who doesn't have an open mind already, probably. So I read, I got his book he put out, he doesn't make any money off it, but from 2017, which was the manifesto with slight refinements and some other stuff. And he repeatedly cites a little technological society. And I, it's, but Kaczynski is very easy to read. A little is this technological society is really hard, hard for me to read. I read at night in bed and I'm like, ah, so, <laughs> so, but the, but the idea, I think the bottom line is that basically, and you can see it with the iPhone, I, like I, I, the state has always endeavored to, in, to extract or the, you know, whatever the government connected rich or however you want to think about it. I don't think it's one or the other. They have always endeavored to extract the most possible surplus from 
the masses that they ever could. And that requires a level of control, surveillance, censorship, all this stuff that they've labored towards, but they could never really have until they could mechanize it and give everybody the monitoring devices. So like this thing right here, it's my bunny, this thing right here is what makes it possible for all of us for this to actually finally become a a totalitarian in the in the truest sense of the word state and and I think that that a little was way ahead of that and so is Kaczynski I mean and now if you read Kaczynski he'll what he predicted was pretty soon it's going to be too late and we're already past the point where he said it would be too late so but that of course is part of the quote you just read you say they want you to say stuff like that yeah they really want you to say stuff that sounds defeatist yeah Brad, go ahead. Oh, no, I was agreeing. Yeah, they, they, want, they want to demoralize. They want to activate certain people, and then they want to demoralize others to in action to where just they think it's impossible to overcome. So it really makes you wonder what they, why they let out what they let out, and it kind of makes you question everything that's ever out, right? Like what, whatever they're yeah. letting out through the news, it means to me it's usually bullshit. And, yeah, well, why are they showing this reason. to us? Yeah. Yeah. It's there for a reason. They have to to maintain credibility is the best you're going to get. And to me, that is 1% of it. Yeah, and it's never more apparent than in those stories about shootings, about people who get shot, because there are shootings every day, everywhere. And it's terrible. It sucks. It's bad. 13,000 a year. But when one particular shooting gets highlighted and then all the others don't, and you can see the device of it, the stories are picked based on their ability to divide for the most part. And there's a great tell on that, too is, oh, shooting in progress and X and X. And it's like, really? There's definitely 500 shootings happening right now. Like, why always, is that Yeah, it's like a birth, you know? There's always a shooting going on every 30 seconds. And like, you know yeah. that that one is going to have a punchline. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, yeah. Yeah, so I, actually, that kind of transitions nicely into what I wanted to talk about a little bit. And my the last episode, The Revolution Will Not Be Televised, I highly featured kind of how they're, how the media is portraying hydroxychloroquine in the news. And just because it's it's so clearly vilified, right? I think I think we very obviously understand that there's an agenda behind that. But for most people, they have a really hard time gripping that, like, why would the media lie to us? Why would they, why would they show us information that wasn't to our benefit, even if they are saying lemons and oranges and all that stuff is bad? And uh, you know, I'm, a, I'm a part of a, a the Ice Age farmer chat, and they're always talking about kind of how to cultivate your own food and stuff. And they're even trying to villainize uh, slugs. They're saying slugs can bring, I can't remember what the disease was now, but some awful disease that they obviously can't carry just to make sure that you're not growing your own food, right? To try and encourage state dependence. So, I mean, like, I guess this is two part, but one, like, how do you find truth in media? Um, and and how, do you, how do you teach people to find that truth? Can I respond to the hydroxychloroquine yeah. thing? To <laughs> That's go what it? I was thinking hydroxychloroquine whether whether it is effective or not or whether there is another solution that would be effective hydroxychloroquine is very cheap almost everybody in the country could get it even the medicines that you would zinc and something else i, I don't remember the name of the the third thing that's paired with but it's supposed to be taken in certain conditions at certain times and that process does not cost a lot of money and it doesn't take a lot of time so if it can do what the people who say that it works claim that it can do then this whole thing could be wiped out in about a week around the world. So 
they're not going to the reason i think that any medicine that might be effective whether that's the one that's effective or not that is that cheap that is has available to everybody it's not going to work because it would completely undermine everything that they've done it would just mm -hmm. they've 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 invested billions into this whole project of changing society and if all of a sudden something works and you no longer need a vaccine you no longer need to social distance you no longer need to change the infrastructure then the whole project is screwed and so that's why i think any workable cure or solution is not going to allow to be passed through except the ones that they control because with remdesivir it's only clinically shown in tests to lower the amount of time people spend in the hospital it doesn't change the death rate so they the only one that they they're pushing is a really quicker. expensive one yeah yep. that doesn't really do anything and the thing about hydroxychloroquine, I, I don't have an opinion about that. It sounds like very matching up the viral theory with the pharmaceutical theory, which is not my first line of defense, but I believe there's zinc in it. And if in this, in February, people were saying you need vitamin D, you need zinc and a couple of other things, maybe vitamin C, and that does give you the health to fight these things. So I, I, I'm more and more believing that like with the hitting citrus with kind of scaring people about the sun all this stuff that they're there and the masks of course yep. that actually basically everything they're saying is intended to make us less well and i wasn't thinking that in the beginning but it's getting excessive i mean i find they finally let us go to mass in a parking lot this morning <laughs> and i was so ill because i could not sit there for an hour with the thing on maybe i'm hypersensitive i don't know i i'm like addicted to oxygen it's this thing i've been <laughs> trying to get over anyway so i do want to answer yeah. the other question too but go ahead Bakley. and to the other question how, analyzing media in that particular instance, instance with hydroxychloroquine, it's like, why is this continuing to be in the news? What they're showing, showing it to us for a reason. I don't know if I know the answer for certain, but those are the types of questions that I, I ask myself to try and they're, they're, they're trying to counteract it with this, this opposite agenda. And an answer for this one, I, I would think that could potentially be that doctors were giving it to patients already. And it was, and doctors talk and patients talk, this, this helps so-and-so, this helps so-and-so and it spreads. And so in order to stop the spread, of hydroxychloroquine, they make it a demon. They call it up into the news in order to stop people and maybe even turn people against. Oh, my doctor yeah, recommended hydroxychloroquine must be a yeah. Trump supporter. So they the politicize taint. it. Yeah. yeah. The Trump taint. We've got Trump to taint. coin that. Trump taint. <laughs> so, so I would also say just more generally, how do you discern truth from falsehood? Or it's more likely that they take a a scenario with a couple of kernels of truth in it and they spin it into something that serves their agenda. And for me, I, I just, it's like a two part thing. I want to know what are the undeniable facts that you could actually verify. And people usually will say to me, well, you can't verify stuff. It's just, you just don't believe anything. I'm like, well, yes, I don't believe. <laughs> why would I believe anything that yep. is not proven to me? I don't believe anything except for the evidence of my own eyes. And by the way, the stuff you're reading tells me through psychology and sociology that I can't believe the evidence of my own eyes, that incentives aren't real and people aren't rational, but mm -hmm. that is meant to undermine the things I can prove and make me not know what to believe besides authority. But usually for me, if it's very easy to fit a narrative into a, an obvious or pre-existing agenda, my standard for evidence is absolute 
you need to like the moon landing. Sorry, I just I don't know how far you want to go. Oh no, that, that's great. I was actually that's probably going to be a question later on. So, but, we're good. you know, I uh, no one has ever answered the questions to my satisfaction. Yep. I've just not. I, they uh, all I see is a video and a bunch of blah blah. Let let me know. And and there are just too many things that are wrong with the with the story from like speed of light two-way live streaming to they forgot to take a picture of the stars to why doesn't the buggy have a radiator you know i don't know but until somebody actually explains that to me and i'm just a lay person like i i the answer is well you can't know because you can't understand these things and i would say well then our government which is run supposedly for and by the people cannot be involved in things that i cannot assess and make decisions about. So don't tell me your foreign policy or your space program or your healthcare is something beyond my ability to assess because I will tell you at that point, it cannot be done in my name with my money. So that's the end of the conversation. And that's why you know they're trying to BS you because what they want to do is take your money and your authority and do things that they don't have to really uh, justify defend mm -hmm. well i for the an, uh, analyzing the news on a similar note why i try to keep in mind that we're in not to use alex jones's term but we are in an information war mm -hmm. we are being the information is being used at, to hey, target us to get he, us to huh he wouldn't work he would he wouldn't work if he wasn't full of a lot of real truth that's right yeah well no i'm just saying the name yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, info war because mm -hmm. uh, that's what we're in we're the, we're getting propaganda from all sides. So knowing that what we're seeing is not, we're never given stuff just for straight informational purposes. It, it's never just, oh, let's just inform them and hands off. We don't want to influence them in any sort of way. So knowing that and knowing that even, even the best sources, the most trusted sources are at best going to get it wrong sometimes and at best are going to be presenting information at least a little bit out of context because you can't always include all of the context in the short snippet of news that we get and then asking the the questions of who what where when why how so what and, and just i try to remind myself to ask those questions because it it can be easy to, to grab a headline and then breeze through it and miss some of the details but the details the most important details are often buried in that lower third where they have done studies that show yeah. the least amount of people read, they, they yeah. drop the, they bury the lead down there. I get to the point where I'm reading the thing. I start with the headline. I say, okay, I know what this is about. And then I'll read it until I find that punchline. And if they don't get to it there, like what they do, what they bury there is the thing that, that blows up the whole story. I don't right. think it's really the lead. I think it's the thing that just blows up the whole story. Yeah. And then Nine out of 10 times these days, and this is what embarrasses me for the American people, is that they can't just propagandize you by planting thoughts in your mind through argument and evidence. They have to, in the last sentence, say, therefore, we need to blow up this country. You know, it's like, why don't yep. you just give me a time yeah. to, you know, because you could just read the last sentence and find out what you're supposed to, what the brainwashing is. And I just feel like it's quite... It just shows how far we've sunk to the point where I, they hardly have, like these shootings you're talking about, they hardly have to even put the details in, you know, they'll show gurneys or whatever. And it's like, there's nobody in that, or that's a dummy, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. that guy isn't even wearing a, a, a 
you know, an ER uniform. It's gotten to the point where the headlines, are, they, they express the opposite of what the content of the article does. You know, so young soccer player dies of coronavirus, 19-year-old <laughs> dead of coronavirus. And you read the article, it's, oh, yeah, he'd been suffering from fifth, fifth stage leukemia or whatever. And was yeah. on his deathbed anyway. Byron just sent me one that the kid was absolutely reported as the youngest person to die of COVID. And he I saw drowned. This story. Yeah, he, he drowned his bathtub. Oh he drowned God. in his bathtub. They put him in the bathtub because he had a fever. Drowning yeah. is a new symptom. Well, there's yeah. been a lot of drowning. Somebody tweeted at me like, all these people are drowning, like a Kennedy drowned, that star drowned. Like there's yeah. a bunch of drownings. I don't, I don't know what there, there is. There, I assume there's some symbolism at work. I don't go down that road. I can't, I don't have the time, but I do think that sometimes these patterns emerge that may, there may be that dark, darkness you know that black mass kind of thing that happens i don't yeah. know but so it, it it almost becomes like a muscle i mean I, I know we're probably in the same boat but i've been reading about all this kind of stuff for years and now when you read a headline you're more interpreting it instead of uh, digesting it in that same way right and and when it comes to uh hydroxychloroquine and the uh, american frontline doctors who are you know kicked off of twitter and youtube and all that kind of stuff uh they're they're pulling um a quote from that woman, Stella Emanuel, right? Doing her, her uh, preaching or whatever she was doing, talking about demon sperm. And basically they made the whole thing about demon sperm you know, on the news instead of talking about the 11 other highly accredited doctors who were saying the exact same thing. And people eat that stuff up. And, and now it, it seems like they've, they've completely made it about if you believe in hydroxychloroquine, you're a, a, a demon sperm believer and you believe in succubi and all that yeah. kind of stuff. I would go further and say, I don't, I didn't, completely dig into that story. I know what you're talking about, but I'm not telling you this is what I found out. I'm just saying that it is quite possible that there are other groups of doctors who could come forward like that. And the only reason they gave these people the press they gave them in the first place is they mm -hmm. knew they had that little skeleton to trot out yeah. that yep. would taint the whole group. And, that, and that's how that stuff gets. And, and, and it seems to me that anybody who has a counter narrative they can prove that's when people just don't survive. And that's, and that's why I think, I mean, everything from the Boston marathon bombing FBI guys falling out of a helicopter. <laughs> yeah. I mean, within a month, the two guys on that hostage rescue team, 41 years old are on a training exercise in the ocean. They, they didn't have harnesses on the helicopter accidentally tipped over they fell out and then the helicopter kind of recovered and just went back and it just dumped them out, just dumped them. Oh my God. F out. And, uh, and I just, my other examples of like, at first I didn't think there was anything untoward, but then Joan Rivers and Anthony Bourdain, I, and there's, there's been other examples more recently. I, I forget, but can't recall the names off the top of my mind, but I just feel like the reason it's completely shut down or you take someone like Bill Cosby, you put them in jail, you discredit them. And that's what happens to you. And they really have yeah. such power that you're very few people. Why would you bother? One other quick thing that I wanted to note about the, the whole American frontline doctors thing is, is Squarespace removed their website, right? They, they took them down. And then the, the CDC purchased AmericanFrontlineDoctors.net or something. I, I can't remember what the exact suffix is, but it, it redirects directly to the CDC website now. Wow. That, the more that happens, the more it convinces me that if someone were starting to feel sick, I would ask the doctor about hydroxychloroquine. Yep. 
Why? I don't understand. Because they're going out of their way to try and get people to oh, not oh, use oh, this oh, effect, sorry, this medicine sorry, sorry. that some have said is effective yeah. and, and it's, it's yeah. cheap. I would say, let's just say, let's, I want to bring this all the way full circle. Even if the viral germ theory, can you tell I'm from New York? Even though the viral germ theory, I don't buy it. Even if you do buy it, there, even they say there's no cure for viruses. So whatever the hydro, uh, hydroxychloroquine does, it must actually just boost your immune system to fight this thing itself. I, th I mean, I'm not saying it must, but it seems to me. So that's why I look to the fact that they say it has zinc in it or whatever, that it's all about actually getting healthy. And, and that would be, I mean, that would be the thing that they don't want. And I think there's more than one thing that they're trying to get us to not do. Yeah. Go out. Like go outside. Air. Yeah. Fresh air, sunlight, vitamin and C. good nutrition. See your and friends. They're cutting yeah. it. Yeah, they're cutting all that. The food supply is not, I guarantee you, or I highly suspect that tortilla chips are going to be on the shelves forever, but maybe not yeah. oranges. You know, they're, the processed food is going to be there, but not the, nothing that's fresh. And, and the studies. Know, the meat went first, so that'll tell you that maybe yeah. they don't believe their own vegan narrative themselves. The studies they use to discredit hydroxychloroquine that they keep repeating in the news, none of them not one of them studies the actual conditions that people have claimed it works in. So the studies have been of something completely what different. What are the conditions? The conditions are that it has to be somebody right at the onset of feeling ill or before. Some people take yeah. it as a preventative. That's what and, I'm saying. It's, yeah. about, it's about health. And they're giving it to people who are already intubated right. in the hospital and they're not pairing it with the other, other yeah. drugs and other treatments that these people are using with and they're using this and cnn msnbc saying it's debunked and this debunked that snopes gets involved snopes is so full of it it's oh, unbelievable yeah. well there you go there's a tell if you do not believe in something if you want to know what's whatever snopes says it seems to me is the opposite like <laughs> yes. they debunk stuff yep. they're whole they're like i debunk conspiracy theories they just present these conspiracy snopes debunked a, the truth yeah. They debunked a conspiracy about did CNN show contradictory headlines about hydroxychloroquine? And they did, but they were three months apart. And one of them said, basically, it's terrible. Don't take it. It's debunked. The other one said, study shows that maybe it's effective. And then about a few weeks later, CNN started saying it doesn't work again. But yes, they did do it. But Snopes said that that was a false conspiracy because it had come three months apart. So therefore, it was false. What a joke. Yeah, one other quick thing I want to touch on for those studies is even for the hydroxychloroquine studies they were doing, they were, they were loading up the, the patients with toxic doses of hydroxychloroquine. And then for the control, they were loading those guys up with vitamin C, which is just insane, right? Like, uh, how, how can you give the, the control group a, a, a immune benefit, right? When you're not giving it, it's just, it's, it's, it's yeah. such bad science. And then I guess one of those guys that was speaking for the American frontline doctors was responsible for, for getting the, the uh, initial Lancet publication taken down after just a couple of weeks, which is, you know, pretty insane considering, you know, how, uh, how, how much the, the Lancet kind of sticks to their stuff and how much those papers are supposed to be vetted before they even make it into the journals. Right. So I don't know. I just, I think it really goes to show the, the uh, amount of fear they have towards this topic. At least that's the way that I'm kind of interpreting it. Yeah. I, I think they're afraid of it as well. So I just, I, I wanted to transition a, a little bit because 
I don't have you guys for too much longer, but I, I wanted to talk about kind of overcoming common objections. Like, so the things that, you know, I'll often hear are things like uh, three can keep a secret if two are dead. Um, how can so many people be involved and, you know, no one blow the whistle? Yeah. Why? Why would they do that? Why fake the moon landing? Why would a, a, the government hurt its own people? Like all those things are kind of the, the basic things that everybody will uh, will parrot. But then even if we try and give them an answer, it seems like nothing's ever satisfactory, right? Their, their skepticism is so high towards our, our points. It, yeah, it really is. And people have a hard time and it's hard to. We project our morals and what we would do onto that of other people and people who have been raised in a completely different environment. The public school system versus the, you know, secret expensive boarding schools that a lot of these people go to, it's, it's very, very different. They get the classical education, Socrates, they're reading all the philosophy, math. Uh, they know like three languages by the time they're in fifth grade. They take acting <laughs> classes, rhetoric. Meanwhile, on the other side, they're taking all that stuff out of the public. They're teaching one group to follow orders. They're teaching the other group to herd cattle. And they get a mentality put into them that they're better than the general population. It's their idea that it's their job to organize them. And the rules aren't for them. The rules are for us. And we are to think that they are, they are bound by those rules as well, but they're not. But the fact that we think that they are enables them to operate outside these rules without critical analysis at all, without being examined. And I think my, the, when I've talked to people, I've had success talking to people one-on-one about stuff and asking Socratic type questions and trying to avoid the language landmines they create. You know, because as soon as you say the wrong trigger word, then they're no longer thinking. They shut down. It becomes emotional. But that's the best way I found to navigate it. Are you talking about how to get people to hear the truth a little bit? Yeah, like uh, how do you overcome the the common objections? Like just some of the the examples I gave were three can keep a secret if two are dead. And, you know, why would the government hurt its own people? All All that kind of basic stuff that people get stuck on. Well, there's two things about that, that the Manhattan Project, which was the bomb, yep. 100,000 people were in on that secret. Yep. And you, another thing is you don't really need very many people. Another thing is they kill people who don't, I just read a quote yesterday, I forget by whom, but like you just have to every once in a while kill a couple of people to make a demonstration to everybody else. And then everybody else just doesn't want to even look at that. So it's like the ethical glass ceiling, they'll stay away from it. And the peer pressure. So when I was at WSB, people who were at my level who loved me, they weren't giving me orders. Nobody from the top ever told me that. They would caution me against saying stuff that made me sound crazy because I would lose the audience. So everybody just has this self-preservation feeling. And they're not, they're always, you think that the regular rank and file has this impulse to just believe what they want to believe. Talk about the guy whose job depends on it. There for sure, but I, I do find that in, in talking to regular people, when you predict the future or they were borderline enough that when this thing comes down where 7 billion people are under house arrest and not a shot is fired, yeah. that, the, that things are effed up. And, and then you will get the people who are on the fringes to see that it's true, that there are people you could predict the future to the letter you could you know, matter, tell, yeah. I told people the day the stock market was like the percentage because eventual once said the stock market would go down by 40% it's like oh it's 40% and it's mm-hmm. never it went down and it never went back there again and um I, I but people still that's just a coincidence yeah and to the number of people involved 
they often try to limit that. They, they want as few involved as possible. They have the witting and the innocence. That's what this book that Monica, you sent me, that's how they, that's how they define them. Uh, it's a very good book, by the way. I'll show it and recommend it to whoever. Yeah, Double Lives about- by Coke, Cock. Koch? Yeah, Koch. Okay, Koch. Koch is how we call it. I think, it I think so. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, so if they, they, it's much easier if you get people to believe in it and take action on the belief so that they don't have to feel like and they're. The, I know. think the most important thing that they do, the most important thing is that they'll write, they'll write memos and books and everything that let white papers, they have websites. It mm-hmm. lays it all out in great detail, exactly what they're doing and how they're doing it and what their goal is. But instead of saying we want to establish a world government, they say global governance. They put everything in this flowery BS language. It's like Keynes and the sticky wages. We need to, uh, inflate money because wages are sticky and markets won't clear. And I finally told some, whatever, somebody who was very intellectual about the whole thing. I said, sticky, that just means that they're trying to cut your pay without your knowing it. It's, that's what it is. You know, that's what it is. And he's saying that's what it is. And he's saying that's why he's doing it. And everyone's like, it's just economics and it's fancy and you can't understand it. And I just, it makes me nuts because (laughs) it's just, they, and then they think they're so great. They wear, they're, they just, I actually have an Ivy League background, but it really, I, so I, it's hard for me to actually choke out like the Ivy League bullshit, but but it is. I mean, those are the people who absolutely laugh in my face. When I went to March Against Obamacare in D.C. and like everybody, it, it was a stereotypical like white Target sweatshirt with an American flag on it and fanny packs with the American flag on it. And I was there as a libertarian wearing Ron Paul shirt. But the bureaucrats on the train, expensive, high, fancy, well-paid bureaucrats on the train could not tell the difference between that, but they were really contemptuous towards these people Mm. who weren't there like the Europeans would be begging for more money. They were there asking the government to let them take care of their own damn healthcare, to let them pay their way to, and that was for me to see people, they just look contempt and then they read the bullshit and, and I just, you know, they, it's a South Park thing, if you don't mind a little vulgarity. They sniff their own farts. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, the, the financial aspect is something that I've been trying to hammer on with some of my friends at, at work and stuff like that. Because if you try and go kind of too conspiratorial, I, I think that they just, they tune out, right? But I, I think I learned it on, on your show, but it, the, the U.S. just reported that the lowest GDP since World War II and, and somehow the stock market is still hitting these record highs. And then you just have to ask them the question, well, how is the stock market still going up if nobody's working? And, and what you can follow through with is this. When that happens, the people, what happened actually is probably all the people in the market, when it was here, the retirees, when it went down 40%, they, they, could, they knew they can't go back to work. They had to sell. So it's all the dumb money, sell, sell, sells. They took away pension funds and gave us 401ks. Now everybody sell, 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 sell. And then I said, I was like, that's it. It's time to buy. Anybody who was in, in the room for event 201 or whatever knows that it's then time to buy. So you have the people who have assets and cash and money, and they get that, the benefits of that inflation because they understand it. Mm-hmm. But- People working at McDonald's, if they were making $7 an hour, 
and that thing went down 40% and then it's back up to where it was. Let's say, I mean, I think that represents a doubling of the money supply. Yep. Do you think the people at McDonald's all of a sudden are making $15 an hour? Well, they will because there'll be a minimum wage law, but half of them will get fired to get to that point. But they do, their wages, it's the Keynesian thing. Their wages will not respond to that. So it's, it's just the inflation always and only benefits holders of assets at the expense of those who must continue to earn wages in real time. And you'll see it yourself. Go to the grocery store. Well, yeah, they don't pay them more, but they do give them a new label. They're frontline workers. Brave frontline workers, but they, they still go. get paid the same minimum Here's wage. Here's your raise. Yeah. <laughs> Man, so I, I, I know we don't have much more time here, but I just no, wanted to I mean, to, I'm not in a huge rush. Oh, okay. Did, did, are you guys okay for like a little, maybe 20, 25 or so? It's fine yeah. with me. Okay, that'd be, that, that'd be great. Um, let me just text my wife real quick because she might be coming home with so I always kids. just try to, um, my house gets a little crazy so I try, I can usually carve out an hour, but since the natives are not restless, I'm, oh, that's probably, that was a triggery thing to say. Yeah, Sorry. I can't believe you oh. said that. Sorry, you might have I know, to eat that. Triggered. I don't mind using the F word, but I don't want to <laughs> insult no, people. But I, um, anyway, no, anachronistic you're, expression. You're good at kind of going back to feeling like uh, um, I've always been an individualist. I've my, my dad's Métis, so I, I have my Métis status card, but it's, it's something that I've always, I've never used for anything in my life, and I feel gross even mentioning it most of the time, because I feel like once you label yourself, you're just, you're just putting yourself into what a box, it? right? Uh, it's, it's, it's Métis, so basically what it is, is the, the French raped the Indians when they were here, and then uh, they, they made a whole breed that they called Métis. Uh, but oh. they're, they're, they're given a different status in Canada than the mm-hmm. regular Indigenous people. Well, here's the problem. If, if everybody... If you need to sign up for a status to be to get some of your rights back or your taxes back or whatever, and only those who do not have that special status can't get anything. I mean, it's just a, a different way of it's like discriminating by exclusion. If you can check a box, I mean, I, that's the thing I always say: libertarians live by the uh, die by the sword, but they don't live by it. I always, I don't, you know, I just don't know where to come out. Like, should my kids have a Spanish surname? Should they not check the box and then never get into anything? Or should they check the box and have a fighting chance? I mean, I just don't know. I don't know the moral answer. I'm sure someone will yell at me for whichever way I come out. So one of the things that I really enjoy about your guys' show is that you and Binkley will pull out these old books and documents and show how they're as pertinent or sometimes, you know, even more pertinent today than the the day that they were written. I mean, we were talking about the Kaczynski stuff earlier, and I think that's just a perfect example of that. But uh, I feel like we're in this age now where everything has to be new, new, new. But if, if you go back 100 years and read some books written then, you know, the t- late 20s or 30s, I, I think you'll see how much smarter they were then, or at least how much smarter they expected the reading public to be, you know, like bigger words, more complex sentence structures, and they just they didn't assume everybody could only read at a third grade level. So I, I mean, if, if you go even further back, I think one of my favorite books and one of the most inspiring things I've ever read was Meditations by Marcus Aurelius, right? Yes. Written in, I think, 161 to 180 AD. But it's just, it's this, this beautiful meditation on stoicism and how he lived his life. It was never meant to be published. And when you read through that, it's just like, it's, it, it completely breaks the paradigm of this, this kind of strict evolution of life and, and intelligence another, that we get to now. Another one you might like, I like that one too, is the yoga sutras and swami uh, by patanjali and then i have a version by swami sachi dananda 
which is 3,500 years old, and oh, wow. it absolutely anticipates Christ's message. It's really spot oh, on. I'd love to check that out. But yeah, I agree with that. And you go back. I, there was a quote I read one time. I wish I knew who said it, and I wish I remember the quote exactly. But it's that all things are Greek in origin. All ideas or hmm. all thoughts are Greek in origin. Now, the Yoga Sutras are not Greek, but the idea is like there's nothing new under the sun when it comes to thoughts after the competing intellect of, of the Greeks, but I have a like 15 volume set called The Story of Civilization by Will Durant. He was a pretty famous historian at, at his time. And he would do in, I think New York City, he would do these classrooms after hours for workers to learn history. And these books, which he introduces with an apology for how intellectuals and academics will ridicule somebody who puts together a pot boiler or a narrative or teaches the masses these big ideas. It's a 15 volume thing that, I, I mean, like I said, I have all this education. That thing, it, 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 it is absolutely on a par with the stuff I was, well, I should say it was certainly an effective way to communicate with people who were intelligent and could think, maybe didn't know much about the subject, but could understand it all. Uh, the idea that he was designing that stuff for the like coal miners and, or whatever, the, the subway workers is a testament to what you're saying. Mm -hmm. Yeah, those old books, Plato, Aristotle, all, all of them, they, they show meditations. That, that's a great one. It, it shows reflection. It shows that you had to sit and reflect mm -hmm. in creating that, that work. And that's something that we don't do. We, do, we try to escape that at, at all costs. And we have the, the Netflix, we have video games, we have everything right in the palm of our hands that can prevent us from having to sit and reflect. And that's when we really develop those deep thoughts is in those moments of reflection, which is scary for a lot of people. And that you put it that way makes me think of that, like it folds in with the two party thing. They were reflecting. And one thing you have to do, and it's, I think it's a little bit of a sign of maturity, uh, or mental health or something, you simply must be able to have some objectivity, some ability to take your own interests and what you want to believe out of the equation and just say, okay, what is the real truth? Let's lay bare my instincts, my soul, my logic, my thinking, everything open and face with courage what may be a truth I don't want to hear. I don't want to hear it about Vatican or libertarianism or whatever. I'm not defending the Vatican, but like whatever. I Or Jesus, I don't know. Whatever it is that you don't want to face the reality of, it takes courage, maturity, intellect, and confidence in your ability to sift through that stuff. And, uh, uh, but I feel like the two party psyop that we have the Republican Democrat, it actually tells you that every body of thought comes in a package and that, that then you have cognitive dissonance, just, just subscribing to one or the other, because you can't, you haven't learned how to not only discern right from wrong, truth from fiction, but one, one issue from another. Yeah, we speak in memes now and emotional memes and symbols on Twitter. That's become and, the language. And the memes are all all connected in one, you know, you're either a deplorable or a communist. Like, the, it's it. That's it. You can't, 
even the kids are like that. There's like, they make fun of the other meme threads. Right. Then you start going deeper and then the the two sides unite and they attack you. (laughs) Totally. (laughs) Totally. What is going on there? Is that Edmund? Oh, there's dogs. Ru- there's dogs running through space <laughs> left and right back here. That was a good one. We just got a great one. Yeah, you're blowing up my whole idea of space there. <laughs> yeah, well, it's because it's a, it's they're looking for that cat saucer. So, so when when it comes to kind of the the older books and stuff containing knowledge that people can't probably handle now, and and the the cognitive dissonance, dissonance that you're mentioning seems to be like genuinely an engineered feature, not a bug, right? Like that they want people to not be able to handle other viewpoints and, and all that kind of things. Do, do you think that it's easier to propagandize the public now than it was, say, 20 or 30 years ago? Absolutely. I think the, the way that Edward Bernays used to talk about, he would just giddy in his books over the idea of radio and film and television because it was newer back in his, when he was writing his first books. And he would talked about how this is going to enable people like him to whisper in the ear of the entire country in an instant. And it's gotten, I mean, this is his wet dream to be a little bit, you know, uh, uh, he, this, the fact that we can disseminate information just across the world in an instant. And I mean, live streaming stuff, it's, it's the Borg, man. It's, you can really just morph society quickly. A contemporary, I think, of Bernays was Dewey, who, yeah. not the Dewey decimal system, but the Dewey educational guy, John, John Dewey, Dewey, maybe. Yeah. John Dewey, right. And his idea, and I think it relates to STEM and what Charlotte Ezerbite, who kind of revealed who the members of Skull and Bones were, she was been on Alex Jones' show. It was absolutely great interview. And the, the idea being that you're, make, you're creating these technicians, intellectual mechanics, technicians, STEM, science, technology, engineering, and math, when they ignore the liberal arts, which are called the liberal arts because only free men were permitted to learn them. So that the civics and logic and rhetoric, all the things that are used to manipulate people or to understand the nuances and meaning of something are systematically removed from our schooling. So we think everybody's dumb and can't think, yet the people who, who uh, can handle technology I mean, some people think that technology came from aliens. Like it's that hard to believe that yep. human beings can grasp it. Yet we have millions of people who can work in that industry with facility. And so that's a function. We're not dumber, but we've been the important ways of thinking and uh, an outlook and a concept of where we fit in and all of that have been systematically excised, hmm. I think. Yeah, the control of the information that we receive that forms our reality is a lot easier to to control on a worldwide level. Yeah, so I, I think what we're saying works together, Binkley, in that you're saying what all the inputs are controlled yeah. and outputs are monitored. And then I say the processing has right. been rearranged so that it works. To, and, and that's why, I mean, I know we opened with a quote that says, Monica, don't fall into the trap of saying that it's hopeless. And I don't think it's hopeless, but I think that operating within the framework, either of the media, the propaganda, or of the politics, the, you know, as much as I love the Bill of Rights and feel like it's our our only shield for as long as we can keep it up, that, that the answer cannot be in taking back those those systems that's that they were never meant 
they they weren't meant to be what we were told they were going to be anyway. There is no taking it back because they were never really ours. And that kind of goes to the Kaczynski thing where mm-hmm. you're not or be against the greater ever. Like once the agricultural revolution happened, once states started building monuments to themselves and taxing and enslaving, that is the system that we're still in. And, and, I, and I, I have hope, like I did when I became an anarcho-capitalist, I had hope that once you realize that government is a scam, society is self-ordering. That was the hope. And now I see that the whole system, the framework, even the technological world we live in is the scam. But the hope is a return to the fundamentals. And if we can keep ahead of them there, then yeah. I, I think that's possible on an individual basis, which gives us control and power and hope. Yeah. And I think and that's self-respect anyway. Yeah. That's where the battle lies is in those areas that haven't been taken over by the digital world. That's why they go after the rural areas because if like Lenin, he had to teach people how to read before he could propagandize them with the written word is you have, now they're talking about digital literacy and they teach people how to, you know, process the news digitally, which they just say, just trust the trusted authority. That's basically the digital, you know, news literacy. And get that internet out to the rural areas. Yeah, exactly. That's that's fascinating. You know, you you just made something click for me when you think about Elon Musk doing whatever he's doing, but trying to put satellites in space to give internet to the world and all that. And just, it's, you're right. It's just the next step of that, of that logical progression of how to propagandize just everybody in the public. It's a board just... (laughs) Yeah, that's what the they planet. have to do and the, and the i think i think of this that the idea of live free or die patrick henry like every patriot who's locking themselves in their houses right now think that they would do that they would live free or die yet we're afraid of these trillions of invisible monsters that are everywhere trying to kill us all mm-hmm. that we can't see or verify in any way don't know anybody who's just like dropped dead on the street from this and i feel like if, if the answer is, if it comes to the point where the answer is assert your autonomy or submit to slavery, I, my goal, I'm a philosophical agorist. I'm not sure I will ever grow that chicken myself, but, <laughs> and I know you're supposed to raise chickens, but I just, I, I feel like if, if we continue to identify that and and any other solution anybody wants to come up with but that that is something that's in your control and i think that's where you don't need hope or faith or organization you don't need permission you don't need anything you can either do it or you can't do it and if you can't do it then hopefully this isn't the only life I just wanted to double back for a second because you're you're mentioning Alex Jones and I just I, I honestly I don't know what to think of him like I I understand he he puts out a lot of information that's either true or or half true but at the same time like he's they almost let him stay out there because he's he's so you know boisterous and all that he's just he's honestly what I was kind of looking into some conspiracy stuff he's a bit of a turnoff when you're looking into things it's taint like okay agent. I yeah call it the expression taint agent <laughs> even though it's kind of dirty go. well I think that's probably appropriate but I mean <laughs> yes exactly right I love it is is, is is he still somebody that, that you could look to for kind of finding some information? I mean, at least kind of a starting point for digging into things. I would say that he does at times there, there is information that comes from him that is a place to start to investigate. I definitely wouldn't take anything wholesale, No, but he does have people on there that do drop kernels that it's almost like little seeds. And maybe that's on purpose to get, get you to follow the seeds and get lost in the weeds. But I, I take him in. I, I, I think he's, I mean, he's an entertainer. He, he's a, he's oh, a yeah. big time entertainer is what he is, but he does 
drop information amongst all of the chaos that is useful. Mm-hmm. I think his progression has been a microcosm of what I was trying to say earlier, where they don't even try anymore. In the beginning, when I first started doing my show, I absolutely would say on the air, in all honesty, I don't think 9-11 was an inside job. I mean, I just didn't, I, I, I thought theoretically our governments, because I was such a hardcore anarcho-capitalist already, that our government was theoretically had to be an enemy because we had a conflict of interest. They depended on our sense of insecurity to have their power and ultimately they would they would hurt us if they had to and then i with the boston marathon bombing i realized that they were doing that and that that barn had left that horse left the barn but with at that time i did i was i thought it didn't even occur to me that alex jones could be a fake in any way i don't even know if he is or was but there was a lot of good stuff there there was a lot of stuff there's stuff about cloud seeding there was charlotte azerbite um, I don't really know what to think about the um, Bohemian Grove stuff he came out with, but that might've been totally legit. There was tons and tons of legit stuff. It was great. I almost felt bad that I would use him as a resource because yeah. the, he put so much effort into it. Yeah. But once I try to find really, it somewhere else also before yeah, that once way, because people will. Once he shark yeah. with Trump, I've never, ever checked his stuff again. David Knight does good work, I think, which is one of the guys who is on their Infowar network. I think Truthstream Media came out of Alex Jones, and mm-hmm. they, I think they're great. I, I, I don't have any gripe with them, and they do seem to distance a little bit, so maybe there was a turning point. Even sources I trust almost completely, I, I will try and verify. Trust on, but verify. Yeah, yeah because yeah. It, it's just so even, – even the people you trust – 100% are gonna, you know, get it wrong sometimes. They're gonna make mistakes. And then you're caught holding the bag if you just repeat it. Yeah. So, I mean, for, for me, I guess I, I always listen to you guys. I think uh, James Corbett is, is one of yeah, the, the, the gold standards, I right? I wouldn't and, check his work. I mean, I'm not saying you shouldn't, but <laughs> yeah. his research is his thing. I mean, it's just, he, that's, and that's I, 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 I yeah. Binkley does plenty of research and I do enough, but I'm, it, like you said at the beginning, half the time, I'm like, I, this is just my opinion. But with him, he'll, he gives you the evidence you can actually great follow research. up on it. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, like if, if, if the world were just, I imagine he would have a, a, a Pulitzer by now, right. For, oh, for doing yes. the, the work that he yes. does, but that's just never Absolutely. coming his way. I'm honestly amazed that his website is still up with the, the amount of knowledge that he puts out there consistently, but. Well, but, he and Ryan Dawson are both in Japan, so I don't know what's up with that, but I, I, you know, maybe they'll have to move eventually, but I guess that's a better place than. Than, than the land of the free. Yeah. So, I mean, who, who are some people in the alternative media that, that you look to? I mean, I, I don't necessarily mean that you trust wholeheartedly, but I mean, given that the mainstream can't really provide anything for people, who are some people that you do look to? I, I can't think of too much alternative media that I use because one, and I said this before, and it's just absolutely true. I really don't like to go to people who are kind of doing what I'm doing, giving their impressions of what is really going on 100% because I, I don't want to interfere with my own ability to just kind of nakedly look at stuff. And as Mm -hmm. soon as I get a plausible narrative, I'm going to just move on. And I, and, and I noticed that didn't really work for me and I prefer to just, so most of the alternative stuff, unless it is pure research, I'm not going to 
spend a lot of time on, and then which case I just work on this discernment by following up on the, the mainstream media stuff, which has a lot of facts. Like they have a lot, a lot of facts. You just have to, you have to just keep clicking through until you see documents. And if you don't, then it's bullshit. But mm -hmm. I, that's how I, that's how I spend most of my time. Yeah. I, I spend a lot of my time doing using search modifiers on Google and trying to eliminate the because Google used to used to be able to find stuff on Google, but now even if you do like a bunch of search modifiers, this the modern stuff will still you know shine through. Like if you want to search for Kamala Harris and, and you want to find out that she's you know the Knights Templar connection, you, it's going to be that's not going to come up in the beginning of the search because everything it's, modern is going to be so flooded. Flawed because they include in the search they could easily. They, not yeah. include the headlines on the edges of those mainstream media things. They yeah, just exactly. they do it on purpose. I so don't you got to like Duck subtract, trying to subtract all the words. Yeah. Do what? Would DuckDuckGo might be DuckDuckGo, I, I think, is not much better than Google, to be honest with you. I, I the, the thing that works best for me is searching the newspaper archives, is okay. having a, a, the, a specific topic in mind or person and – Oh, oh, it's a newspaper archives. There is a newspaper site of all newspapers around the world. Newspapers.com. Yes. Is that it? Yeah. And and you can screen for English. And boy, yeah, I, I use that, that stuff time. about Ebola. Hmm. Liberia was, I think, a U.S. colony, basically. Yeah. And they speak English. And so there, the comments on the newspaper, they had comments. So you'd have people saying, oh, this guy was caught putting formaldehyde in our drinking well. And guess what? Formaldehyde, like, liquefies your organs, which is what they're telling us Ebola does. I was like, whoa. Yeah. Even that's probably getting pared away over time. But those, mm. I, I think those little research techniques are where you can at least get a thread to pull on if you smell yeah. a rat. Absolutely. For deep dives and for finding out about new people that come onto the scene or people who are new to me anyway, the newspaper archives are very, very helpful. As for podcasts, I like listening to, I listen to No Agenda sometimes. They'll, they'll have some unique information on there that they, they bring in. Corbett, definitely. And uh, because I like to hear just what, what he thinks about it. I, I don't, in fact, I disagree with him a lot, but he always has unique opinions as Scott Adams. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's interesting. And he even kind of uh, did an, an about face recently on, on Bill Gates and his involvement with uh, the remdesivir and vaccines yeah. and all that stuff, right? Yeah, I so thought that was really Scott interesting. Adams now doesn't like Gates or he used hey, to Scott Adams used to love Gates. Scott Adams okay, is a very it. smart guy, but I've kind of seen his progression a little bit yeah. uh, over the past couple of years to where he just thought it was crazy that there's a conspiracy going on. He's right. very naive about the fact that it was a little more controlled in the history of propaganda. And he's, he's, he's evolved in that he's started to see the BS I, a little bit more. I, for the first time figured he was authentic when Somebody, it was some, was it a CNN thing? I feel like maybe you were aware of this, Binkley, where they were saying uh, there was a truth, like this is true, remdesivir or whatever. And they were saying, are you seriously quoting Dilbert? <laughs> yes. And yeah. it was like, wow, Scott Adams is for reals. Whoa. Yeah, yeah. You know, as soon as you start getting hit by CNN, of course, as soon as I say something like that, then like everybody needs to get hit by CNN to see like Q and Alex Jones, which is what's yeah. happening. Like they, as soon as Hillary said Alex Jones, I mean, I actually got it once before when Bill O'Reilly 
somebody on his show told him, started saying stuff about Alex Jones, like, these guys don't get airtime on Fox or in a presidential campaign if they're truly dangerous. Mm -hmm. But I did want to add one thing about sources. So I guess most of what I did, to the extent that I really want to understand, it's more opposition research than actual what sources you use. So I'll go to the World Economic Forum, to the Rockefeller Foundation, to... World Bank, the International Monetary Fund has a blog that'll make your blood run cold. You know, they mean it. It's that intellectual crap, that mumbo jumbo, where they're just like, oh, we figured out a way to make negative interest rates, you know, and the bonus is that if people aren't nice, their money gets turned off. It's like, that's crazy. Those think tanks, those panel discussions that they have at all these think tanks. This is a professor at Georgetown. And I was like, what is wrong with you people? I mean, we literally have a clip of them laughing about collapsing societies from right, Sir. Destroying countries. <laughs> yeah, the guy from the, the Chatham House. Yes. I am dead. Sir Andrew Wood introduced, <laughs> and he jokingly says, I'd like to break up countries. Everybody has a good laugh about yeah, it. Except for the hostess who was a young cast, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, and you're like, yeah, sorry, honey. Welcome Meanwhile, the, the, vid- the video has eight <laughs> views on it. You know, this two-hour right. panel discussion. Right. right. So I'm, that's I'm, it. You do that too, Binkley. You go to the source. I call yeah. it the source. Yeah. I'm, I'm curious if you guys have seen any of Mouthy Buddha's documentaries. He's got one called Pedogate and Pedogate 2. They're about 20 minutes. You can find them on BitChute or anything like that. But they're, they're, it's a hard watch, honestly. Like, I've got a couple of young girls, and so I, I was looking hard into how far all that stuff goes, basically. When I first had my kids, I get obsessive about stuff, and it's like, okay, I need to know where and, and how and how I can have my kids safely, right? But uh, anyway, when you watch those documentaries, he breaks down how he's gone through researching it. And, and one of the main uh, tools he uses is uh, Yandex, the, the Russian Google, yeah. basically. And I, I found that to be phenomenally helpful for looking for anything in, in the West. I mean, if I'm not looking for Russia stuff, but if I want to find something about Obama or American politicians or whatever, it'll be on the top page. I was going to say uh, that I was going to chime back in and say, frankly, I'll go to RT or Sputnik or Pravda. Not even, I mean, RT, I saw that thing go from, plausible to complete propaganda just complete bs however it does give you the propaganda the alternative propaganda which in itself has its own evidence or lack of evidence or whatever but at least like belarus it's like other protests in belarus is that good or bad what's really going on well it took about two seconds reading rt to realize that the guy totally won legitimately and we're trying to undermine it and now they have like thousands of people in the street trying to overturn this completely legitimately elected government, I think. I mean, I got to do more work on it, but I wouldn't have been able to say, okay, that story makes sense. And then some RT stories don't make sense, but it at least you understand the other narratives without having to like, oh, what, who could possibly be, you know, interested in the outcome of the Belarusian election? (laughs) But Yandex, huh? I didn't, I didn't even know about it. Yeah, like it, if, if you're if you got a stomach for it, honestly, anybody who's listening, it's they're really hard to watch those two documentaries. But in the second one, oh, especially, he, he goes through. Yeah, honestly, it's uh, there's some stuff that he uses for imagery. It's I don't think I'll ever get it out of my head. But mm. um, he's, he's talking about his tools for for finding these things. And it's it's pretty neat. But yeah, like uh, one of the other things that he mentioned was go to the last page of your search engine. And you can't actually do that on Google anymore, but you can still do it on Yahoo or Bing or DuckDuckGo or all these things. So whatever you're looking for, see what they're burying at the very end of what you're looking for. Yeah, I there's do a- sometimes click to like page 30, 
Yeah, there is a book that's called Open Source Intel Techniques. I think it's by Michael Bazil, and it has Yandex and a bunch of other, really? bunch of other alternative search well, indexes that you can when use. When was it, it written? So fairly recently. He writes a new one every year because oh, he has to update wow. it. Because cool. the, the, seriously, his website, he updates his website, and the techniques, once they're figured out, they get scrubbed. And so he's got to update his book. I mean, he's got Do a you podcast. Buy it? Every year? I bought it a couple times and it's very, very helpful, but the techniques do go out of date and his podcast I listen to occasionally. It's hard to listen to. It's kind of boring, but it is helpful. What's his name? His name is Michael Bazil, B-A-Z-Z-E-L-L. Oh, by the way, we got to give a shout out to the late, great David Crow and the Infectious Myth podcast. If they're, I mean, I love Corbett, love Corbett, but if, the one person who had all the truth that was relevant to this greatest tyranny ever perpetrated on mankind as a whole was David Crow and the Infectious Myth podcast who was diagnosed with cancer and dead within a month, a couple of months ago. We interviewed him a few months before that. There was absolutely nothing wrong with that guy at that time. Yeah, I actually heard him on a, a few other podcasts before, and then was happy to hear oh, yeah. him, him him featured on you on, on your guys' show. And obviously, he was making the rounds. Yeah, there's there's definitely some some questions to be asked about how quickly he demised there. I mean, it's it's awfully and sad. He, he would have had all the answers about the vaccine and stuff. Yep, he would have had yeah. all the answers. I mean, the studies, how to analyze the studies, what the catchphrases were. There is no replacing that guy. And I'd like, I, I think that sends a really direct message to anybody who's out there trying to do real research on these things, right? Like they, they make it a very, I mean, it's not like he's publicly executed, but it might as well be for the sake of, of uh, most people's opinions who are looking into these things. Um, I just wanted to shift gears a, a little bit before we run out of time here. It, it kinda, it's kind of related, but I'm, I'm wondering in your guys' opinion, who sits on top of the power pyramid? Like, is it the, is it the global groups like the CFR and Bilderberg trilateral, or, or does it go even higher than that? I think it, I think it probably, I think they are part of it. I think they make a lot of the policies there, these, these think tanks. I think that the people that probably exercise the most power, we've probably never seen or heard of them. Yep. I asked somebody who, who travels in those circles, somebody who I really like and trust, and I think he's naive. He's like, there is no conspiracy. You're crazy, blah, blah, blah. He's one of those intellectuals, right? No, he was, he went, he's not really an intellectual, but yes, yeah, he's European high society. And they're just absolutely think that this black and white idea of economics and justice and, you know, you don't understand, people are stupid, like that kind of thing. It only comes in the European. I, I'm not trying to insult Europeans. I'm sorry, but I just, when, <laughs> It, it's probably the subset of Europeans who go to Harvard. You know, I was like the token poor kid. I was at Harvard and they're like the richest. So mm-hmm. you meet Mexicans at Harvard who are paying their own way. They're rich. They're not the token poor kids like me. So they have very elite attitudes, if I'm allowed to generalize. He was one of those types. And he insists there's no conspiracy whatsoever. So I, at a certain point, I asked him, who is the most powerful person in the world? And he said, the Pope. And he said, Hmm. not influential, but powerful. And I don't even buy that. I mean, I find that hard to believe because the Pope is clearly, 
I mean, it looks like he's just in lockstep like everybody else, but yeah. it did start in Italy. This whole lockdown thing started in Italy. The position of the Pope it wields great power and influence, but that doesn't mean the person that is in that position is the one making the decisions or controlling it. He made it very clear what he was talking about. So he's talking about the actual Pope, the Pope. himself and the not Pope. the position. Yeah, because these, these powerful positions absolutely are going to, I mean, that's what the propagandist target is to co-opt control of whoever is in these powerful positions that exercises wide influence so whoever the pope is the propagandists okay, are going to be targeting saying, yeah. to control and co-opt that person's mind but either... this guy has a fishy background this pope Big yeah she so who I don't controls know, him is where the power who's at is at the very top i mean yeah. i don't know like you can look at the whole i always thought the pyramid of kind of the uk us and israel had this i don't know which direction the pyramid goes i mean right you just look at bankers, you look at king, you know, the queen, you look at who has the real estate in the world, who, who controls the money in the world. Mm -hmm. And, it, and I mean, I think of the U.S. as a vassal to what, whatever it is. Maybe that's an alliance between the oil in the Middle East and the money in London. I really don't know. That could be too simple because you can find that stuff all over the internet. It does not get scrubbed. So yep. Is that where we're supposed to kind of dead end? And it's something even bigger than that. And then beyond that, I don't think, I think I, I keep c concluding that there's no way to make that information valuable that you have to actually go in the other direction and just figure out how to grow stuff. One hmm. interesting Lizards. thing. I'll go with lizards. Yeah, I mean that's well, the thing. There, there it's go. like at a certain point, yeah. you you go if it's if it's higher than the queen, you know, if yeah. it's got the queen driving them around, then maybe, you yeah. know, maybe it is. Maybe it's some kind of interdimensional being. But and you know, one thing that's really stuck with me, and it's it's such a hard thing to have a conversation about with anybody because they just think you're absolutely nuts. But um, if you look at the Pope's audience hall. Like it looks like he's speaking from the mouth of a serpent. Like it's 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 built to look like a, like just if Google it when you have a second and you'll see it. And you see speaking. There's even like teeth and there's all sorts of like the the, the imagery wow. and, and and symbolism is incredibly strong. It's hard to not see it. And just the, the I can't I can't think of a more symbolism laden organization than Catholics, right? So yes, uh, nothing is done without intention there. And the fact that they're the they're rituals. I can't really. Yeah. The, I mean, I'm a practicing Catholic, right. but I really have a hard time with the rituals. But yeah, I mean, it, it certainly speaks to something. I'll have to something look at that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I've I tried seen to, this picture before. This picture is wild. I have to take yeah. pride in, I, I try to always be objective and face the stuff. And I'll tell you the truth. I could forgive the church basically anything as long as I could get the sacraments. And, uh, and they're not even letting me have that now when we're on the verge of, you know, the, their argument is that we're all going to die. I'm like, well, then isn't that even more of a reason to get, let us, you know, have the sacraments. So yeah. what am I looking at? Uh, the, the Pope's audience hall. Yeah, it's, it's the audience hall. I, I can't remember when it was built. I think it was the mid 80s, but it's, it's been there for a while. 1980s? Sure. Yeah, I think 84, 85. I can't remember. It's been a while since I looked at the, the page for it. I typed in the Pope's speaks from the mouth of a snake or lizard. It, it was the first and I clicked images and you can see a bunch of images. Pope, wow. Yeah. You see it? <laughs> oh my gosh it's pretty wild honestly when you look it at it oh, yeah that's such a bummer <laughs> <laughs> yeah just and it, i'm it sure if you wonder. dig in it gets worse like what is behind him what is oh, that that, that 
that's a, a statue of Jesus after the apocalypse. So it's after the nuclear apocalypse, I think, with half of his face melted off. So it's I like mean, Jesus here, rising through the ashes. I mean, it looks like Beelzebub. Yep. Like from the squishy image, I can see just not yeah, really it, paying attention. Honestly, if, if you look up close to that statue, it looks like a Metallica album or something. It's just it does not belong yeah, <laughs> anywhere near. Yeah, like the T-shirts near. of my teenage son yeah. is, is what that's like, tool and... Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, I, I didn't. I'm mean to with get you, super... man. Like, I don't. I, I don't. I'm not defending that stuff. And uh, but that's when you start thinking. Okay, there's like this occult magic black mask kind of thing going on. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you mentioned Truth Tree Media earlier. They did a really good piece on that, right? On the, the masking of the public and the the ritual oh. initiation, right? It really lays it all out there. And that was Julian mm -hmm. Huxley. I mean, yep. he wrote that decades ago and all they do, they just read it and intersperse quotes from the press. And it's just, <laughs> you great. just hear it yeah. like echoing into the, into the, from ages ago into the present. And it, 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 again, like, how can you deny it? And, and you can't see, but this is the thing. You can forever be chasing these symbols and images and everything. And, and it, I think, I, I'm not discouraging anyone from, ferreting out every rabbit hole there is but it it can empower that stuff yep. it empowers it and you acknowledge it and you fear it yeah i'm a huge believer in like you you get what you focus on through beliefs and expectations and all those things and, and the more and more we focus on those kind of symbols and stuff i really do believe that we're given that power so um i, I think i've said quite often to people i feel like we're going through the the birth of a new age right now right and it, it feels like uh, it's painful, but births are painful, right? If, as long as you focus on what you're doing and focus on the goal, focus on the good, you're going to get to where you're going and we're going to end up in a good place. And always acknowledge that you are an individual with power, which is why the fourth industrial revolution stuff of the World Economic Forum, where she actually says in the video they put on YouTube, which again has like 80 views, it says like one of the challenges we're going to have to face is that we need free thought zones because when biology and technology merge, where are you going to go to think? <laughs> and I'm, uh, you know, that of course is where you have to draw the line. And I would think human genetic modification, stuff like that. But if, but until that time, I feel like I love, that's, that's why I, I do like consider myself a practicing Catholic. I just have free will and reason. And I know the difference between right and wrong. And, and this life is very short. So, I mean, what are you going to gain to just try to like carve out a few more hours of uninterrupted TV time? Right. When the, when the shit comes down. So where do we find hope? I'd, I'd like to end on a nice, uh, oh. somewhat positive <laughs> note. And I, I, oh, oh, yeah, I, I, I just uh, finished listening to your Legal Man podcast. Yes. I'm hoping that's not where you go with this, but uh, what, where do you think we can do? You have to repeat how funny the Legal Man thing was. That was great. Monica got reassurance that her children were going to be okay. She's worried about what her children is going to happen in the future. And Legal Man assured her that, She's, they're going to be perfectly fine because they're not going, they're not going to make it. <laughs> it's like, oh, don't worry about your children. They won't survive. Oh, <laughs> it's like, that oh, makes me feel better. Thank you. That does make Well, then immediately I texted my kids like, we have to go to confession. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because we're all going to die. Like, I, and yeah. they're just like, mom, what's wrong? Like, just, I don't know. Yeah, I just have a feeling. I, I think yeah. there's, I'm very hopeful. I, I, I'm, I'm 
kind of the opposite of that. I, I like, I, lo- I love legal man. It's great. In fact, I share a lot of beliefs, but I, I'm a very optimistic. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I'm, I'm an optimistic cynic, I, I, I would say. And, and I, I think, I think oftentimes we focus on this big apparatus, this big monster, this monolithic, unbeatable monster that is flawless and not, we, we don't, we don't project the human flaws onto it we, that we do ourselves and almost like really a supervillain in a movie. And it's just not like that. These institutions are made up of people with flaws and they backstab each other and they fight amongst each other. And we also don't have to take down this giant globalist superstructure overnight. If we think about it like that, then it's going to be overwhelming and we'll be crippled by inaction and worry. It's, it's, we can control what we can control that's right in front of us. And what's right in front of us is that we can talk to people, that we can, we can make our own choices about the actions that we take, and we can investigate our own beliefs. And I think that that is where the control lies in that Personally, I believe that what we see on television is just a very tiny percentage of the population that actually believes what they're showing us, that they're trying to make it seem as though everybody believes this. I think that most people are very, very similar, not the exact same, but I think they're reasonable. I think most people are reasonable. And when you talk to people one-on-one, which they are trying to prevent that right now, but you can still do it over the phone and stuff like that or Zoom. And um, I I think that's where the power lies is in what you can control in those one-on-one and those group interactions that you can have personally. I I agree, and I'll just emphasize that or demonstrate the point of the individuals and that they're not as powerful as they seem in that looks to me that they spend the majority of their effort controlling specifically the American mind, that the propaganda is so essential to their goals that it is all they worry about. And because of that, and you are in complete control of your own mind, you can defeat it individually by your actions, but also by maintaining this ability to critical, uh, for critical thinking, speak freely, don't be afraid. In these days where everything around people is, is uh, conflicting with the evidence of their own eyes, the propaganda conflicts with the evidence of their own eyes, the people who sounded crazy before sound sane now, and that's great. And they and uh, they are. I think that their Achilles' heel is that they they don't. I think that that at that level there is a like an absence of conscience in a way, you know, an absence of respect for the individual. And I think because they lack that in their view of the animals that they are the keepers of in their minds, we might surprise them. They do their psychological studies, but that stuff changes. Just like you said, the search engine stuff changes. It, I don't know if it's static in the, as the environment changes, I'm not sure they can count on continuing to use the same tools against people. I don't know, but I just, I feel like the best hope for you individually or, and if everybody does it, then everybody's together is to maintain the ability to think and a little bit of courage because yeah, they, everybody they did weak. that. Right. That, that everybody is, did, yeah. but it doesn't, but that's when it gets intimidating, but everybody, well, we don't have to have convince to everybody to do it. It's like, right. it's not our job to convince the world. But over, you know, yeah. This is what I would say is if you do it yourself, you may, it yeah. may have contagion. And if it doesn't, you've saved yourself. I think, yeah, right. And it does have contagion from my experience. It does, it but it doesn't does. even matter. Cause what's, what are you here for? Are you really here to watch YouTube and eat 
jerk. <laughs> I mean, I love yeah. that, but I'm just saying like, it, it, what, are, what are you really here for? It's to save yourself. And maybe it's all just a test. Maybe there is, uh, there is a St. Peter. And at the end, his only question is, did you vote for evil? Even the lesser of two <laughs> evils. And you're like, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. Just don't vote for the lesser of two evils. Like, it's just about saving yourself. Like, this is 80 years of, like, a test of if you can stand up to all of the temptation that's thrown at you to acquiesce, to compromise, to be that lukewarm thing that is, you know, repugnant. So save yourself. Hmm. Yeah, I think that that lines up perfectly with what I've been thinking for at least the last you know, years. But it's it's if if I can make myself as capable as possible, right? If I can be as functional of an individual as possible to remove the dependencies on the state, and to kind of get my family away and and build up a little bit of a community. And, and I've been trying to get some people together for a while, and it's amazing. Everybody likes the idea, but nobody wants to take action. So it, it's so I, hard. I, I tell this to my wife all the time. She she has her own business, but it's like if, if nobody wants to organize things. So if if you can put it together and show that you're capable of it people will show up people love to follow but nobody wants to take action and, and do it right our show i i get messages every day from people i just got a message this morning that i thought to myself was that from brandon you know but it wasn't it was from someone else who said the exact same thing i work night and day to get my self-sustaining lifestyle up and running and it's just constant work but hey like we're you can only rely on yourself. And I, and I feel like this is uh, my, I thought all the scales have fallen from my eyes. And now all of a sudden this year, 2020, whole new set of scales fell from my eyes. And as soon as that like moment of despair, hope just cropped right up in front of me because I could see, oh, you know, that's the truer nature of man. Like it's, that's the salvation. Mm. I think. Wow. I think that's a perfect place to end it. Monica and Brad, man, thank you so much for being on the show. I really, really appreciate it. It's, it's been just a pleasure to talk to you guys. Can you let everybody know where they could find you? Sure. We, uh, we do a daily show called the Drive Time News Blast, and it's part of our kind of overarching show, which is the Propaganda Report. So on any, uh, whatever your favorite podcasting feed, you can find the Propaganda Report. But every day we do a 30-minute show, 45 for patrons of News of the Day, from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. And we also do deep dives where Binkley brings like these smoking guns out of the mouths of the people who are plotting this stuff. It's really amazing. And by triggering me, a very amusing conversation <laughs> ensues. And then we have lots of great interviews and uh, that kind of thing. I'd love to put this in our, either our YouTube channel, Propaganda Report, or we have our URL, thepropreport.com. And my Twitter is at Monica Press Show. Binkley is at Freedom Act Radio. And if you ever, you can always reach us any, any time, one way or another through that. And it's been such a pleasure talking to you, Brandon. It has. Yeah, guys, thank you so much. You can look for the Paperboy podcast wherever you get your podcasts. We've got weekly interviews with amazing guests just like these guys, where we explore everything on the fringe from conspiracies to geopolitics to consciousness and spirituality, everything important that the mainstream will never touch. And we've got a monthly deep dive podcast where I'll present clips and commentary from around the world to really flesh out one specific topic. So make sure you check out episode one to see what I'm talking about. The revolution will not be televised, where I show examples of media all over the world trying to spin their narratives to manufacture consent and compliance. You can keep up with me on Twitter at underscore your paperboy, Instagram at paperboy podcast, or just look for the paperboy podcast on BitChute and YouTube.